Hello, 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 my beautiful goobers. I have an important announcement before the show starts. Better Left Unsaid officially has a Patreon. So if you enjoy the show and want to see it grow, consider subscribing to one of our three tiers. By subscribing, you unlock amazing exclusives like behind-the-scenes clips, early episode releases, and our very own BLU Discord community, where you can chat with fellow buddies, besties, and babes, and help shape the show you love so much. Learn more at patreon.com slash betterleftunsaid. Now, on to the show. Hello, 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 and welcome to Better Left Unsaid. Welcome, 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 everybody. Um, today, this morning, because it's morning for me, because it's nice and early, I'm nice and <laughs> tired for all of you. Um, I have a very special guest, my first international guest, Miss um, Indy Gage, host of Hot Girls Theory. Hi, Indy. Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. I'm happy to have you. So what can you tell us about Hot Girls Theory? Sure. So um, usually when people ask me if I'm going to give like the elevator pitch, it's what we open every single episode with. Uh, We explore the world from the theoretical perspective of two hot girls. So if that kind of sounds like your vibe, maybe you want to check out our podcast too. Um, We kind of mainly focus on like sex positivity, feminism, you know, those kinds of things. We don't really have a specific niche. We've got lots of different topics with lots of different episodes, lots of different guests. Sometimes it's just Ash and I, sometimes it's just one of us. Like we literally, we literally do everything. So if you kind of want to scroll through our episodes, you can see what we're about. And yeah, we do love talking about sex. We love talking about dating. We love talking about relationships. We love talking about everything that's kind of like, you know, like off cuff, like, you don't, you know, like not ever, not talked about on everyday conversation. Um, and so we also wanted to kind of uh, highlight like an a- academic sense as well. Um, and really, you know, show that we c- you can be a hot girl and you can be f- fucking smart. <laughs> I mean, that is goals for me. Mm-hmm. I definitely want to be a hot, smart girl. Exactly. And you can <laughs> if you listen to Hot Girls Theory. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, though, it, I mean, fits right in with Better Left Unsaid just because everything is off the cuff and we talk about things that people sometimes generally don't want to talk about. Yeah. Building bridges through these... embarrassing stories. Exactly. You got to have these hard hitting conversations to make sure that other people understand that they're not alone and that they're, they're not like, because I feel like it's such a big problem in society is everyone's like really like focused on themselves and focus on like what's happening at an individual level. And right. the more we have these conversations about life, not just from like an experience perspective, but also like a social political perspective, we're going to feel better and better about ourselves and the world and how we're going to change and fix things especially with everything kind of being really fucked right now so yeah that's really the goal very very true and I you know I am certain that there are more uh people in the world it doesn't matter if you're democrat republican liberal conservative whatever a lot of people have shit themselves yeah that is that is something that almost everybody has done mm-hmm. <laughs> So there we go. Um, but you've listened to some of the podcast. Mm-hmm, so you yes. know how we go. 
do you have an embarrassing story for me? I was thinking about this since we spoke about it yesterday. I I do have an embarrass I have an embarrassing story that is technically kind of riding off what you just said anyway. Um, but like the thing is, it's hard for me to think about embarrassing stories. Um because I don't feel embarrassed very often. Like I don't mm. let people, you know, I grew up the fat kid. I grew up like ridiculously bullied for my height, my weight, being really poor as well. Like there's a lot that I've gone through in my life that has kind of led me to be kind of treated as an outcast in society. And so mm-hmm. I've been put through a lot, both by peers, myself, family, et cetera. So I guess like when you kind of experience that, you learn to kind of, as we say in Australia, like take the piss and take the piss out of yourself. So like, you know, make fun of yourself for those who aren't uh, aware of colloquial language in Australia. So it's more about, you know, if something embarrassing happens, taking it on the chin, like, or as you guys say, like, take the L, like, you know, you figure out as you go how to make something good out of a bad situation. Um, but right. my, I'll get to my, sorry, I was like trying to think, I was like, what is embarrassing? I don't know. But then there is this kind like, and again, it's, it's embarrassing, but it's also, I don't think it's that embarrassing. So Speaking of shitting yourself, um, <laughs> I, was in, <laughs> I was in a relationship. I was in a relationship, kind of. Uh, this was 2017, and we've been in a relationship for a, a, over a year at this point. Like it was kind of at the year mark. And I, so I, for those of you who don't know anything about me, which is probably everyone who's listening, I actually have a disability. So I had uh, an injury which resulted in an L5 disc bulge which means basically like the disc in my lowest part of my back had bulged out and was pushing on my right sciatic nerve for a very long time so I had lots of nerve damage and then it's at the point now like the bulge has kind of gone back in but my vertebrae is like very compressed on the disc so eventually I am going to it is going to um progress to the point where I will need a spinal fusion it's something that you know it doesn't go away it leaves me with chronic pain all of that good stuff so back in 2017, it was probably about maybe seven months after kind of dealing with the aftermath of this kind of all coming to a head with my disability. And so I was having to take a lot of medication, medication that constipated me, medication <laughs> that, so not only did does like, you know, having nerve damage, you know, in your lower half of your body affects your bowel function but it right. also means that you know the, the the um the medication that I was having to take was constipating me really 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 bad so we were on holiday where I currently live now because I'm not originally from Melbourne um so we we're on holiday in Melbourne and we were at a hotel room which honestly I'm kind of really thankful for uh because it means I didn't really have to do much cleanup personally um <laughs> So we were in a hotel room and I had been struggling with like the constipation from the medication. Um, And so I was taking laxatives. So it's kind of like, you know, my body was, you know, like was kind of struggling with the medication and I was adding more medication to it. And so, you know, as you do when you're on a holiday in a hotel room with your boyfriend, you you fuck, right? Like you have sex. Yeah. (laughs) And so wasn't even any kind of like anal penetration. Um, and I shat on my boyfriend um during sex, like 
and no and normally like you say that people are like oh it's fine like you know because they think it's like anal right and I'm like no like I shat whilst I was having an orgasm <laughs> on my boyfriend like I was on top riding him and I shat on him and he was immediately kind of like disgusted but like he also understood at the same time like you know there was things going on in that particular area that was going to cause that to probably happen so like whilst he was kind of frustrated at the situation he was like you know I can't blame you it's not your fault but that boyfriend was a cunt for other reasons but like for for this he was kind of good in this situation so I kind of like we just got in the shower I kind of just like wrapped everything up and just kind of called room service and was like I kind of need someone to change the sheets and they did and you know I didn't have to clean it up so I feel like that's probably the best part of that story um and now we've been out of that relationship for a really long time and I've talked openly about this relationship on my podcast um that I don't care about telling you guys this story well I definitely appreciate that story and (laughs) I don't know because so I am in a gay relationship. My partner and I have been together for about two and a half years. And mm-hmm. sex, whether it's heterosexual or homosexual or anything in between, is messy. Mm-hmm. It's messy. Like, it's you don't go messy. into it. You don't go into it and be like, okay, well, I'm not going to have to shower after this. Or I'm not going to have to have, like, wet wipes near my bed. Mm-hmm. Um Sometimes you gotta lay a towel down. Sometimes yeah. you gotta lay some plastic sheeting down, depending on if you're into water sports or not. Like sex can get fucking messy. And people who don't understand that, it's like, I just feel like because it wasn't anal sex, like it was very surprising that it happened. So like I think it's fair to be surprised when something messy happens unexpectedly. But I think True. if you're like having anal sex, like if you're going where shit is, like you kind of gotta expect shit to be there, even if you clean out, like it happens. Oh fully. And I do not envy anyone who prefers to bottom more than top. Um <laughs> Just because that shit's work. Mm. Like to actually clean out, that shit is work. You are spending several hours like getting everything done. Yeah. And I am not a top because of that. I'm a top because <laughs> of trauma. But um, yeah, no, I don't envy people who clean out every single time. I know um my partner doesn't and that's okay because we love each other and shit happens and <laughs> literally <laughs> um funny tangent though that I was just thinking about so I recently shaved my face it was a very like Napoleon dynamite <laughs> dealing I with anxiety thinking, I was like this this is not the same man from the pictures <laughs> <laughs> I know I catfished you. Um, yes. <laughs> no, I so I shaved my face. It was very like my face with the beard so long, it ends up getting weird and mm-hmm. wild hairs and shit gets weird. So I shave it every now and then. And I ended up not shaving my mustache because I like saw it for a split second. I was like, huh, I kind of like <laughs> this. It gives me like vintage, vintage daddy porn star vibes. Yeah, which, it's got that like I'm trying something new kind of look but Mm. it's not I think it does add 
to what you've got going on. Because I feel like, you know, with a full beard, you looked nice. And now it's like, okay, this is just complimentary to, to the face. I very much see any sort of changes in my facial hair as almost time travel. Mm-hmm. Where with a full beard, I look a certain age. Yeah. Without a beard, I look five years younger. <laughs> and now with the mustache, for some for whatever reason, I look several years older than with just mm. a beard. Um, but I went to work yesterday and uh one of my students walked in and she was like, Oh my goodness. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yes. And she's like, I'm trying to figure out what vibe you're giving me right now. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm kind of going for like 70s dad. I think that's kind of, I think like, I think dad is really in right now. Like dad, daddy, yes. <laughs> um, she decides to describe me as a North Carolina frat douche. Okay. Very yacht club polo shirts okay okay now that you've contextualized it with the extra descriptors I can kind of get what she's because I'm like I literally have no idea what she means by North Carolina yacht douche because that's just like I have no cultural reference for that but the polo shirts and like the the the, the, like loafers and stuff like that that, and like the chubbies like the short shorts yes that aren't gay you know (laughs) With quotation it'd like, fingers. It'd be like if you were in the closet trying to fit in in that. Oh, closet. fully. You know what I mean? <laughs> fully. And I'm thinking in my head, I don't think there is a worse description that I mm-hmm. ever want to be pinned to me. I yeah. would much rather be a vintage porn star than a frat boy mm. <laughs> any day. And I was just thinking about that and I was like, huh, I, yeah, I would rather be, you know, a sex worker than a Republican. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'd rather make that bank than, than have really problematic views on people. Anyways, (laughs) that was my tangent. That's my, that's my embarrassing story that's going to go up on Thursday. <laughs> Getting that water, though. Um, yes. But yeah, so we are talking about sex and sexuality. Yeah, let's do it. Which I think is always fun. Um, mm. And so I was going to ask, I have all my questions right here. Let's see. Go for it um this is like my bread and butter so I love talking about sex and sexuality and everything to do with sex so hopefully it'll make for a good podcast episode I am fully into it I'm fully into it uh first thing with sex having or becoming more sort of mainstream over the past like 20 or so years because let's face it as much as we wish in the 90s that people were talking about sex and it's like no one was it was all just color blocked you know heelys and shit um (laughs) what about sexuality do you wish people talked about more but don't Mm. um 
see it's it's hard because I think like all conversations around sex and sexuality are obviously valid and there's like mm-hmm. a lot of really like key buzzwords that are kind of going around that happen for a while like things like consent and like right. you know the conversations around um you know I think it's hard because there is so much I conflicting information and conflicting views and values that really make it hard to have like well-rounded conversations about sex because so many people want to shut you down and not even want to have that like you know yeah okay sex is more mainstream to talk about now it's more okay but how the culture reacts to sex and the culture reacts to certain topics is still very much rooted in like moral panic and purity culture and, and this idea that like you know there is a right and wrong way to do things and I think um it's hard because I can't give like one specific thing I think like really big um really 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 big things that we should be focusing on is uh safe sex that like how to negotiate safe sex how to negotiate those conversations and and especially like and I because again we could talk about specifically in like heterosexual terms we could talk in gay terms we could talk in lesbian terms we could talk in bi terms we could talk in pan terms we could talk in like all these different like layers of sexuality because having sex when you're same sex attracted or in a same sex relationship is very different to a heterosexual relationship right but there's also overlaps right like there, there's always overlaps so I think one of the things that overlaps is like how do we negotiate safe sex and when you have if you're talking in heterosexual terms or even gay terms like you have gender roles that impact how those conversations should go so it's the same thing with consent right like you're having conversations about like do you want this yes constantly checking in throughout the sex and making sure that you're okay yes good okay you've learned those skills now you can apply it to how do we negotiate how to use condoms and I think like when it comes to like men and women it's not typically seen as like the woman's responsibility to be like hey we're going to use a condom right and then if it is brought up by the woman who's like I want to use a condom the guy's usually like oh they're just like uncomfy and like I don't want to you know like oh right it just doesn't work for me like I won't be able to come and blah 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 like there's all these excuses that come up and so that's like a pushback that a woman is technically not allowed to say no to because like the social like rules in that conversation is that she's been shut down she shouldn't say anything to kind of like push past that and then you have like a relationship with two guys and like you know one of them is like got the same thing like I want to use a condom the other one's like oh no it's just uncomfy there's still those underlying social rules of like well one's technically more submissive so that makes him more like feminine and then one's more you know like if the one who's saying no is probably seen as the more dominant one and so like there's all these kinds of underlying uh, social construction and like gender roles that are impacting how we have conversations around sex and that I think is something that really needs to be understood because not a lot of people, like it's, it's, it's so black and white to a lot of people. And that's really much more complicated than that. And that's why I like to advocate for talking about condoms because I mean, I've talked about this on my podcast. Like I didn't used to be a condom girly. Like I was, I was like, oh, I, you know, I like hitting it raw. Like it feels better, blah, blah, blah. And then right. I, you know, started using condoms because I was like taking myself like myself and my safety more seriously for a lot of other reasons and it just kind of clicked that I was like okay this is what I'm supposed to be doing like this this is I'm having safer sex and that's making it more enjoyable for me and so I just think it's really hard because a lot especially in Australian culture a lot of guys will be like it's just it's uncomfortable I don't want to do it and women will be like okay well I don't I don't like I can't say anything to that you know what I mean like there's no rebuttal Right. And then I guess one other thing I would say is definitely like 
specifically for women and specifically in heterosexual terms, like um, prioritizing pleasure, but not in a way where like you're prioritizing someone else's pleasure, like prioritizing your pleasure and how to how to make that work for yourself first before entering into sexual relationships. Um, and Ooh, like, I'm not, <laughs> are you okay? Yeah, I just had an alarm go off on my phone. No, that's okay. Um, yeah, I'm not straight, but like I have primarily been in relationships with men. So my yeah. personal experience is going to come from like the sex I've had with men and and the sexual scripts that I've learned about how to have sex with men. And and so, yeah, I just think really flipping all those things on the head on its head would be really, really beneficial to how we progress in not only like safe sex, but, you know, reducing sexual violence. And, and uh, I think not a lot of people take stealthing seriously as well, which is like a really, mm. really, really big problem because that is a form of rape. And that's a really big, yeah. like, um, it's a really big kind of breakdown of trust. So yeah, hopefully that answered your question. <laughs> I think it did. Um, I, so no, I, me and me and my partner, we've been together for long enough and we're both, you know, we're both committed. And so we haven't really used condoms in a long time, just yeah. for obvious you reasons. If you don't, if, if you don't have anything and there's no risk of getting anything, then it's sort of like a, that is the choice for you as a couple to make, um, that being said, like any any new person that I had ever dated, uh, it was at least as I got older, it was yes, I need to I need to have safe sex. I need to wear a condom. Um, mm-hmm. I don't like. I had been with people who were like, oh, I just it doesn't feel good, and I'm just like, neither do STIs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I I have had. A fair few, not a fair few. I've I've had one more than once. I will leave it at that. Um, But I just remember because I started pretty young. I was probably 15 whenever I uh, lost my virginity, which looking back now, there was a lot of, I did not have standards (laughs) and I was getting away with a lot that looking back now, the people who I was doing it with, I'm like, y'all are bad people mm. y'all were doing that shit with the child don't do that that's yeah that's... but like also that's not that's not on you to be like I didn't oh, have no. standards that's also like context you know because I know that I definitely had I didn't I never had sex with anyone who was like overage when I was underage but I definitely had sex with people who were manipulative and knew how to like you know, it's that classic, like, um, situation of, like, being literally told by guys who were just looking for someone to have sex with, that whole, like, mentality of, like, well, I want to fuck you, no one else will want to fuck you because you're fat, that, that kind of right. situation, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not my fault that I was manipulated. <laughs> oh, fully, and I, for me, it's, it's very much a, I was a kid, I, I was, did not have the education that I needed because I was a gay kid. I didn't have any, you know, gay peers to be like, hey, be careful. Don't do that. Don't get on Craigslist. People kill people there. Yeah. Did that. Check that box. Um, 
it, but I think something that always bothered me about that was more or less the fact that the people that I had done stuff with, some of them were, you know, uh, not minors. And so it was very much like, y'all had an opportunity to tell me, hey, no, that's that's inappropriate. You need to wait or or find someone your own age. And y'all didn't. Y'all mm -hmm. didn't. Y'all just went with it. Yeah. And I'm just like, regardless of my consent in the situation, I was a minor. Like that is statutory in yeah, you can't every sense of the word. Consent when you're underage, technically. Right. And so it's like legally I was a minor. Y'all committed statutory rape. Like, y'all need to figure that shit out. Um, but there then too, I, you know, I was young and I wasn't using condoms like I should have been. And I'm thankful today that I don't have any more serious, you know, lifelong STIs like HIV. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's just, we're condoms. Have sex, sex. Okay. Yeah. Okay, blue babes. Have safe yeah. sex, cause, <laughs> cause you are you are playing Russian roulette. <laughs> um, what are some things that are perceived sexual sexual to you that aren't perceived sexual, like on a societal level? Yes. Hmm. I mean, women's bodies. Period. Like, oh yeah. Cool. Like the way we as women in society in this like heterosexual patriarchal hegemony like we are sexualized for existing mm -hmm. and that's been something that I've struggled with like since I was a child because I've, obviously like I said I've always been in a bigger body which means I matured quite quickly um or sooner I guess you could say like throughout puberty and you know I've always been seen to be older and so I've had like male sexual attention since I was younger and this is again something we've talked about in Hot Girl Siri because it's something that a lot of women go through especially when you are born in a bigger body like not that just from a perspective of like men want to fuck children but also like men will want to fuck the youngest woman the youngest child who looks like a woman so right um it's really it's really problematic because like you know when I was you kind of have those conversations with guys especially when like you're dating them where you're like you know I want you to find me attractive but I don't want you to over sexualize me like I'm not a sexual object and it's really really hard because men don't understand especially straight ones don't understand the the fine line between like sexual objectification and like appreciation right and they also don't understand again that there's like layers of socialization to view women as sexual objects rather than actual fully rounded nuanced human beings so I think that would probably be my main answer although there's definitely lots of things in society that are perceived sexual that I mean but that also being said like there are things that can be perceived sexual like it's a subjective kind of thing you know what I mean people like it, it for example like feet right having a foot fetish it can be really really sexual to someone but that's because they have a foot fetish and and like they kind of it's like hardwired into their brain of like oh I find feet arousing but for the average person they don't find feet arousing so that's not a sexual thing whereas you know is this making sense like is this train of yeah. thought clicking no, yeah. I, something something that uh sort of 
rinks chooser that is sort of kinks like uh you know kink culture bdsm yeah where in a lot of cases it's it's not sexual it's control and trust and Mm -hmm. and it creates a form of togetherness for relationships who participate in in that that they they may not get in a different way or I think I always thought that was interesting Mm. is like bondage creates like a form of trust that you really don't see uh elsewhere yeah 100% I mean kink in general is super fascinating and I think that's why like you know there's lots of conversations around like the difference between kink and a fetish or um like for example especially again harkening back to what I was saying before like I live in a bigger body so obviously I've experienced a lot of like people fetishizing my body and going I love I love BBWs I was like yeah okay but also like I'm a person (laughs) you know like I love that you love my big giant fat stomach and it turns you on because you think it's so fucking sexy but like also I have a brain and like I have like you know what I mean like this isn't I feel like that's where it becomes a problem and that's about people's behavior on like an individual level more so than like a societal level so it is again a very convoluted question that you asked me I that is all this podcast is about it's about convoluted (laughs) questions um but I think they open up conversation and I think um I I I'm recalling someone I had known before hey you need to calm down. Sorry, my partner threw my dog into the room with me. So, okay. Um, he's just really excited. Bo Bear, lay down. Lay down all the way. Figure it out. Thank you. Good boy. All right. Uh, I remember one of my roommates dating this nutritionist from Herbalife. Basically, they it's an MLM. They sell smoothies <laughs> and shit. Right. Um. And I realized because I had known the person that they were dating for years and years off and on, he had like popped into my life, strangely enough. And I realized there was always a trend with how he dated people mm-hmm. where he would he would find someone to be a part of the MLM to sell to and all that jazz, which is already mm-hmm. kind of you know cringy yeah and he would start dating them as they would like they would work out and the person like my roommate would only drink herbalife shakes which is like he didn't eat otherwise which is really unhealthy Mm -hmm. and then the moment the person got fit the herbalife nutritionist would like fully cut and run what a bizarre person I that is so strange and it's so funny because I followed him on Instagram through probably four or five different relationships mm-hmm. and they all followed that same trend that is so strange like it's it's one thing to be using your relationships to kind of gain financially like that's obviously manipulative within itself right. but then to it's because you know there's like okay on the one hand sure that would pattern makes sense if they're only using people in relationships to make money through their mlm 
they would need people to continuously sell to um but then the other option is obviously that they're more attractive to people attracted to people in larger bodies and so once they do kind of tend to lose the weight the person that they're in a relationship with they're like okay I'm, I'm done with you now so it's like what's you know what's the truth and right. why are why are you using people in relationships to make money like that just doesn't make any sense to me it is greasy it yeah. was always weird I'd always see it pop up on my Instagram feed and be like oh it's a new person yeah we'll see what their before and after looks like and then see them with another different person even then it could be like it could be this kind of like weird also like savior complex of like being like I'm gonna find people to fix them and make them better and then like they're kind of always searching for that rush and that because especially if they're you know the partner is like starving themselves and taking these shakes and working out all the time like that weight is going to come off really really quickly because it's done in an unhealthy fashion and then they're going to be like, okay, cool. I've, I've done what I, I came to do. Like I succeeded. The point of the relationship was to make this person better as I see it. Um, now I've got to move on to someone else, not only to make that money, but also to continue this. Like it, it might be like an addiction thing because people can get really addicted to like new relationship energy and things like that. Oh, it yeah. might just be another form of that, which is so bizarre. It was cringy. I don't think I've seen that person on my Instagram feed in recent times, but um going back to the question that I had asked before I think a big perceived thing as sexual that typically isn't especially in conservative circles is gay relationships just Mm -hmm. gay relationships baseline or any any LGBTQ any alternative with quotation fingers relationships yeah where it's like they and I was talking to my sister about this on on another episode they really break down any alternative relationship to merely sex Mm -hmm. like the whole point is sex that is all it is like there's nothing else to it do you know why that happens though do you have do you have a reason why absolutely I have a reason why please tell me Okay, so the reason, uh, as you put it, alternative lifestyle relationships, like alternative style relationships are sexualized to the extent that they are, especially by conservatives, is because the only thing in their mind that can come from like a relationship where it's two men or two women or poly relationships even get the same kind of treatment is because the only thing that kind of can come out of that in their mind is sex. It can't result in the baby. Uh, it certainly can't result in a healthy marriage because like they have this idea of what, you know, a, a nuclear family should look like and, and, and all right. of those kinds of conservative ideas. So the only thing that they have to fill in the blanks is sex. I mean, yeah, the tracks. Honestly, yeah. though, I wonder what kind of insane loops uh trans relationships mm. cause for them because oh yeah because in certain trans relationships it can result in a baby yeah but like sort of the mind fuck that goes along with these people who have such a limited view I just kind of want to watch it a yeah. little bit um it's, and just the watch their turning. brain melt yeah like the cogs turn and they like do the math and they just I think for the issue is like um as well it's kind of 
in a similar way, like, okay, so the way the society set up, like men feel entitled to women's bodies, time, emotional energy, because that's kind of the the social script they're like taught, yeah, like a woman is here to serve me. Obviously, again, not all situations, but like this is right. kind of the main overarching stories and, and narratives within society. And so it's kind of a, a similar thing for heterosexual people because they are the norm and they are like they are the ones who have the power so they feel entitled to question and scrutinize and and try and like it's really none of their business at the end of the day but they feel like they have a right to know because it will make them feel more comfortable if they know how to like like he's sorry just hit my microphone (laughs) They will feel better if they can go, okay, you make me feel uncomfortable, but now that I've like made you feel really uncomfortable, I can now put you in this little box and and just tuck it away in like the corner of my mind and never think about you ever again. Yet that might've been a really traumatic experience for whatever queer person that they just like ripped into. And so it's really, it, it's kind of, it comes back to again, things like gender, like people wanting to know labels. And when people don't have labels, like it really confuses people because they don't know how to, like it's about how we relate to each other so like you know that person who doesn't understand a person with no labels is like well I don't understand myself how do I you know how do I communicate with you how do I talk to you how do like you know what I mean and so it causes a lot of anger and that's where a lot of the anger and outrage and frustration comes from is because like conservative people who really struggle with these kinds of issues don't know left from right most of the time so how can you add in big philosophical sociological differences within people on a societal level and expect them to understand it it's it's not going to happen right I mean the amount of paradigm shift that it would require for them to even consider changing the way they behave is I hate to say unobtainable in most situations but it's it's a bit of a pipe dream yeah, I I think as much as I want to say discussion would help the situation, and I think it does to some degree, I think some of these people are not only there is no concept of different for them, like it just doesn't compute. I think there is a sort of power in in those beliefs mm-hmm. and su- power from superiority yeah it's it's all as about they ego. perceive it yeah. oh yeah yeah and and I think that is such a toxic like just mentality regardless of who you are whether you are conservative or liberal or anyone if you have any sort of ego that prevents you from seeing people as they wish to be seen then it's it's like what are you doing Mm -hmm. just talk to them ask them how they want to be perceived because regardless of labels if someone if you talk to someone and they say oh I prefer these pronouns I you know I want to use this name or this that and the other like that's as easy as it is Mm. and then you just do it like it's a matter of respect yeah but like it again the 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 um the ability to like critique that though is also still important because I feel like 
we've gotten to a point, and this might be a hot take for some people, but like we've gotten to a point where like it's we can't critique people who have for example like a different gender identity because they may have like you know I've been thinking a lot recently for as an an example to help people understand what I'm trying to say is like um there's a lot of people who are non-binary who mm-hmm. are in my life at this point in time or I have been in my social circles or I've seen online and vice versa um who are assigned male at birth and so for them I don't see a lot of their behaviors as a non-binary person about unlearning their socialization and their internalized misogyny and their like toxic masculinity because like slapping on the label of non-binary and you have a dick doesn't take away your toxic masculinity it really doesn't you like it's the same thing with like being anti-racist like you can't just be a white person and say i'm not racist because you are still racist you have to unlearn that racism it's exactly the same thing you have to unlearn your toxic masculinity your misogyny all of your socialization to truly be non-binary even if you may feel like you're not a man or like you're you know you don't fit in those kinds of specific gender roles that's fine but your behavior will still exhibit some of the internalized socialization because it's all subconscious and that's that's how it is for everyone so it's not like it's a you know, this one particular person is a problematic person. It's like, it happens to everyone. Like I find it's a really big problem because there's a lot of trans people who are very, 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 very prominent, specifically trans women who are very prominent on social media or just like in the public eye who are hyper-feminine. And so that makes it really, really Mm -hmm. hard for trans women who aren't hyper-feminine to be perceived as a trans woman because there is like this now blueprint of what it means to be a trans woman based off of these hyper-visible, hyper-feminine trans women. And like their right. identities are so valid. I'm not trying to say that they're not valid in their hyper-femininity. It's just that because society only looks in two shades, black, white, blue, pink, you know, like it's really, really hard for the majority to look at other trans women and be like, yeah, you're valid, even though you might look more masculine or, you know what I mean? Like it's kind of this thing about like, we need to constantly be critiquing the way that we perceive other people from a perspective of like, oh, we're not just going to like accept everyone and, and respect them and like leave it at that. It's like, yeah, respect everyone and, you know, take the time to learn how they want to be um, perceived and, and treated and identify as, but also not just kind of, because I, I think, again, it's really symptomatic of like Gen Z. Like you go on TikTok and you try and you make a statement and then people are like, you're bullying me. And it's like, no, I just am trying to think critically and you're a literal child. Like, oh, you know, it, it, it's like kind of like that vibe. Like the amount of times I've had people come into my TikTok comments saying the most outrageous things because they think they're being hyper woke. And it's like, you're not even seeing the nuance here. Do Can right. you just... You, you don't understand. Right. And I think, I mean, I, I very much perceive it as, uh, are you, are you doing any harm? Mm-hmm. Is anything you're doing harming someone else? Yeah. So, you know, I, I will respect who you are and, and how you perceive yourself as long as you're not doing any harm, the moment your perception of yourself is, is harming other people. I like, I will have a conversation and be like, I think you need to dive deeper into Mm. your purpose Mm -hmm. as your purpose, as it relates to this. I get 
that. I think it's really, really tricky though, because a lot of people can do a lot of harm unintentionally oh, and yeah. not even realize it. And so like, you know, for example, recently on Hot Girl Zero, we had a clinical psychologist who has autism and ADHD to talk about those um, specific, you know, like neurodivergence and things like that also from a psychologist perspective, but also as like lived experience. And, you know, my co-host brought up an instance, again, kind of similar to what we were talking about earlier like she'd been in lots of relationships with people who were taking advantage of her and probably like using her autism against her and um she was kind of like how do I deal with that and not feel like a victim and the way that she phrased it was kind of in our guest's mind causing harm so she did she reframed it and like it was but she's like you know you can't think like that because it does cause harm and like that's something that you know she didn't realize so like it's unintentional harm right and it's the same thing like with my friends who are non-binary who've been behaving kind of problematically it's like you know they're not intending to cause harm but the harm is being done because it's like there's there's always something to do and I think that's why people get overwhelmed with this specific kind of you know with being woke and and social and political issues is because there's always something to be done and always research to be done and always like a new thing a new social topic um an issue coming up and so I don't, I also don't think like it's always useful to say that because sometimes people cause harm totally unintentionally. And so like if someone comes to me and they're like being a harmful person, but they're not meaning to, I'm going to be like, okay, let's have a conversation about it. You know what I mean? Right. And I, I mean, uh, coming from a person who is a cis white man, Mm -hmm. regardless of being gay, I'm still cis and white and a man. And that affords you a lot of privilege in American culture. That affords me so much privilege. And I think having an awareness of that is one thing, but also the idea that it, it is a constant thing. Mm -hmm. It is, it is something that I will constantly having to be checked, having, I will constantly have to check myself on. Yeah. Because I'm a human being and I'm not perfect and I, I, you know, want to learn and I want to do better mm. and I want to do my best to be anti-racist and, you know, help boost people up who don't have the same privileges I do. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And like, that is what you it's kind of like social responsibility when it comes to it like if you have privilege you should understand your privilege and then also like figure out how to use that in a beneficial way and also like but then again you you gotta be careful like there's white savior complex issues and like you know those kinds of things like you don't want to fall into those traps as well of like well I have to do everything I can because people below me technically like quote quote unquote below me in like the social hierarchy don't have it as good as me because I'm white or whatever you know like that is a really slippery slope into really like racist thinking which might not be perceived as racist to some people but like it is when it comes down to it and that's like such a problem again it's like there's always a rebuttal and that's part of what I love about you know these kinds of things like I've studied gender studies and sociology at uni so like for me this whole like there's a million different ways to answer the same question kind of conundrum is really fascinating to me right and that's why I love having these conversations but like for me it's like it always comes back to critical thinking and I think critical thinking is a skill that not a lot of people have in this world and like I you know it's something that I struggle with sometimes too like 
sometimes I don't want to critically think like sometimes my brain is just fried but when I can and I have the ability to and that's like again harkening back to the um Gen Z's on TikTok like they lack a lot of critical thinking skills but they have that mindset of like well I know everything because I'm young and on the internet and it's like okay okay, like relax and I I think I'm like was I this annoying when I was 14 pretty sure I was just (laughs) on Tumblr like trying to survive like you know where do these Gen Zers get the freaking audacity? But I think um, all jokes aside, like critical thinking is a really, 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 it's like communication. Communication also isn't a skill that people just have. It's something you have to work on. And critical thinking, like if you're kind of new to the concept is, as it says, like thinking critically about specific topics, but also like looking at every side and every angle. And that might mean, you know, looking at something that might be confronting to you and might make you feel uncomfortable, but taking it with a grain of salt and being like, okay, how do I apply my prior knowledge and my experience with this specific issue? You know, like, I think a lot of people start podcasts or they start reading a book or they start reading an article or they start watching a video or a movie and they stop a quarter halfway through or near the end because they get to something that that they they disagree with and they can't keep going because they don't, they lack the critical thinking skills to be like, okay, how can I compartmentalize my feelings with what I'm watching and and, and viewing or listening or reading? You know what I mean? Like, I I feel like so many, like I will read (laughs) books. I will like, I will do the work and I will come across things that I don't agree with, but I will take the grain of salt and be like, okay, well, how can, what can I take from this that's still positive? Or what can I take from this that's, you know, a, a new perspective that I didn't think about before? And how can I use that to strengthen how I feel or whatever it may be? You know, like there's um kinds of, I, I like reading or listening to things about relationships that are often written by like white, cis, heterosexual women who have a lot to say about like upholding patriarchy and upholding, you know, gender stereotypes and, and relationships that conform to those things. And and like masculine, feminine, like women should behave X, Y, and Z in a relationship. Men should behave X, Y, and Z in a relationship. And I might disagree with like mm, 50 to 80% of what that person's saying, but if I can take 30% out of it, 50% out of it and understand something better about myself, my relationships, my friends, my friendships, like that's, that's worth pushing through what I might disagree with. And then I also have the understanding of how other people feel about these things. So when I have conversations, I can be more empathetic and I can come to those conversations with a broader understanding and more critical thinking skills of how nuanced those conversations can be. Yeah. I mean, uh, for example, I, I had been listening to, uh, another podcast called the daily from the New York times and, Mm -hmm. They they do a very good job of having both sides of any coin, really. And whenever Roe versus Wade was felled, uh, they basically interviewed a bunch of people who were anti-abortionists. And those episodes were so hard to listen to. Mm. So hard to listen to. Because it's very much someone... There, there were situations where, where I did feel like I could connect in some ways to these people who had had trauma and had dealt with this stuff and wanted to protect other people from dealing with that same sort of trauma. Mm-hmm. But there were also the people who are very much my beliefs, not yours. Yeah. 
Um, and it was so hard to listen to, but uh, you're, you're right in that. Like if, if you are basically putting yourself in a vacuum or an echo chamber, yeah. so to speak of just your own beliefs mm-hmm. and your own ideals, you can't really view anyone else's ideals in any sort of positive light or see any positive in someone else someone else's beliefs or actions we like heavily strayed from the topic but that's that's fantastic I love that I I felt like literally halfway through my tangent before I was like I'm still talking and I'm gonna keep talking but I hope this is okay because I just felt like what I had to say was like I just I'm very passionate about people understanding nuance and and critical thinking because it's just so many problems not would necessarily be solved but like again when we have these conversations people feel less alone but they also feel more enlightened and more like they've got a sense of like okay I can grasp this subject now and take it and run with it and find my own research and do more on an on an individual level so that's why I like wanted to like really emphasize (laughs) I live for it I love it I love tangents and I love when those tangents go on and on and on and on to different tangents it's it is the true bread and butter of this podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think everybody has a lot to learn and everybody has a lot to grow. And sometimes just listening is all you can do in a situation to provide support. Mm-hmm. And and like sometimes that's all you can do. And that's okay. That is yeah. okay. Um, but getting, we're going to try to work back towards, uh, (laughs) the topic. Um, what other aspects of your life do you feel run tandem with sexuality? Interesting question. That is an interesting question. Um, I think everything for me has kind of always come back to sex, like talking before about like being autistic uh uh, my like hyper focused sexual interest is sex and it's always been sex so for me I'm very fascinated with sex I you know love understanding other people's sexualities and sexual preferences and and desires and and how that relates to problems people might be having sexually because I think sexual problems are are really it's really prevalent in society to have trauma that's sexual to struggle in relationships to struggle to communicate you know like at the end of the day like how we are created is because of sex and one of like in my opinion like the best things ever is sex in the whole entire world like not only with yourself but with other people and so I feel like everything kind of runs in tandem with that because if I didn't have sex and if I didn't have like you know like I don't know who I'd be like I just, <laughs> like it, I've I've it's always been my personality uh to be really into sex and I, I you know it got me in trouble when I was like really quite young because I was always kind of saying things that were deemed as inappropriate which I didn't understand when I was a child you know and it, like right. I didn't understand why it was a wrong thing to say that at the wrong time like whatever um and then you know once I was in high school like I was the bitch who masturbated and talked about it and was like you aren't masturbating why are you not masturbating to all my friends because 
my friends are like, oh, I, I don't want to touch myself. And I'm like, bitch, here's <laughs> a vibrator, go do it. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Gosh. So I've always been, I've always been that girl. Um, right. And so, you know, I just think like, and like, it, it literally is in like every facet of my life. And I, <laughs> I hope that again answers your question. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think it absolutely does. And uh, sort of going back to uh, sort of your interest in sex and trauma, I think that is something that I have been fascinated with more or less within the past like few years, just because of the realization that I typically can't bottom because of trauma. Because mm-hmm. um, being 15 and consent turning yeah. into not consent is a thing. And, um, and the realization that that affects a lot of people, mm-hmm. whether you're in gay relationships or straight relationships or anything in between, uh, trauma can greatly impede sex. Mm-hmm. Um, I know in some situations uh, with women, the body just won't self-lubricate because of trauma and and like in some situations there has to be work to get past that trauma or I think in all situations there has to be work to get past that trauma and I know I'm I am extremely thankful to be with a very supportive partner who is working with me to get past that trauma and being able to do those things with him. Because for me, it was never a matter of, I don't want to. It was always a matter of, I physically can't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My body is just like, "Mm, no, we're not going to do that today. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that for me, like, I don't know if, it was just my like hyper interest in sex and like my desire to always have sex but like my trauma my sexual trauma manifested in hypersexuality and mm-hmm. again that was very similar with my co-host on the podcast we've you know spoken about um instances with sexual assault and experiencing you know various forms of sexual trauma you know in various forms of context because it it really can be anything and everything and I think there's like always that specific idea in people's minds of like well this is what it looks like and it can't be anything else unless it you know matches this exact formula um and that's a really big problem because it makes you feel like your trauma is invalid which kind of creates like that cyclical cycle of like well I can't get help because my trauma is not valid and I don't have anyone to talk to about this and I don't want to talk about it because it's private and I was talking the other day with someone I work with who I was we were talking about like um you know we talk about sex education and and she was kind of saying like I think like talking about sex education in schools is fine but not with like kindergarten age kids like I don't think they should be taught sexuality and I was like yeah I get that but also having conversations with children about sex and sexuality is important because children are not inherently asexual and she was like yeah no you're right I actually really agree with what you said in that way because you know I, I remember when I was a kid my mom was like um very adamant about telling me the anatomy terms for genitals like vagina and penis because she knew that like if I was going to be molested and I said to her someone touched my vagina instead of like oh someone touched my muffin like she's going to understand that something is wrong and that's like 
obviously very, very important to like empower children with the ability to articulate themselves when something does go wrong and someone does violate those personal boundaries, because a lot of the times it does happen when you are at that age. And so for me, my trauma manifested in hypersexuality. So it never really impeded on my ability to have sex. It impeded on my experience of sex. I would, I guess, like dissociate a lot and try like that whole like thing like uh, stereotype of like promiscuity like <laughs> you know right. like I kind of fit that stereotype really really well and for me when I was in that relationship that I was talking about at the start of the show my ex struggled to understand that because he was very slut shaming and he was very like when we met he was a virgin and so I took his virginity and he was very like I can't believe you've had sex with people before me and I was like sorry I didn't know you like what do you want me to do like, <laughs> like I just right. I can't just take it back like you know and he was very much like just his perception of me was very like you're a slut because of that and I was like okay but I also have trauma and he was like I guess I can give you some allowances for the trauma but you know it was very much like that vibe and that just like re-traumatized me essentially in that relationship because I was like questioning everything and then I came out of that relationship and I was like no I am a slut and that's a fucking amazing thing there's nothing wrong with that and so when it comes to like sexual trauma in other people I think again a really big part of it is like we don't we just don't have the ability to articulate ourselves like we don't have the ability to talk and connect and be like yeah this happened to me and if it you know like that's that's what's a really big part of the missing piece of the puzzle you know what I mean right and I don't know I I hope if anything this podcast and I hope yours as well will help open up those conversations Mm -hmm. like help people talk because Mm. people need to talk to each other and talk through their shit like if if you need a therapist go to a therapist for the love of god it is self-care it is it is just take care of yourself it's like going to the doctor for like a physical go to a therapist Mm. talk about stuff because we have so much that can happen to us even in a single day that can really mess us up. And so the idea that everybody is just supposed to like deal with all that on their own without any support system is insane. And I feel like there are many people nowadays, especially with very large platforms um, who don't deal with their shit. And that ends up bleeding into the people that listen to them. And it creates really toxic environments and people and all that jazz. Donald Trump, deal with your shit. (laughs) Big agree. (laughs) Um, But yeah. Okay, so to finish off, just on a lighter note, (laughs) how would you describe your worst date? Mm. Like, do I have to describe it in like a sentence or a few words or just like keyword? Like, what's what's the vibe? Hmm. What One sentence. Okay. I'm just trying to think of like my worst date because I have a lot of experiences that I wouldn't necessarily qualify as like a date. Oh like, yeah. You know those instances where it's like you just hang out and like you fuck, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Those are always my preferred because dating is so much effort and like dating is for like people I like and I don't like people very often. 
I definitely have been through those phases, the phases for me off and on of, of like, okay, I fucked you. No, get out of my house. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it was, it was nice hanging out. Um, Yeah. And I will usher like, you towards the door. Yeah, and there's reasons that like dates can be like other reasons that dates can be bad. Like it's not always um, you know, it's not always like a bad date because it's cringy or embarrassing. It could just be like you know, you got interrupted or like something happened. So, I'd say like one of my worst dates, in a sentence. Mm. You could describe it however you want. <laughs> well, it's hard because it's like, I want to talk, like, I can't just, like, give a sentence because there was, like, so many things that happened on this date that was just absolutely horrible. Um, you know, we went into the city to get food, but I was, at the, at the time, I was, like, full vegan, and he wasn't, and so we had to eat at different places because he refused to eat where I was eating, even though there was, like, meat options there, and (laughs) we got food, like, takeaway, and then we went and ate it at a questionable park in the city, and I was like, great, this is so great, and then we went back to my place, well, the place I was staying at at the time, and, like, had sex, but he had done all this talk about, like, yeah, I'm gonna go down on you, and, like, I'm gonna, like, you know, that whole, like, flirty yeah I want yeah. your pussy kind of vibe and then he didn't for like he wasn't good at it and then he did it for like two seconds and I was like cool whatever and then he came and there was like the most amount of cum I've ever seen in my entire life <laughs> like and I was like are you okay and he was like it's just been a long time all right I'm really stressed out and then <laughs> And then I had to drive him home. So it was just oh, like no. bad, 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 bad. So I really can't put it into a sentence. You know what I mean? Like there was just like oh, so many levels holy. of bad. Yeah. That is that is layered. Yeah. <laughs> um I there was one in particular that I had gone on this date with this person. I we gone to uh dinner and the person spent the entire dinner talking about themselves which already is like mm, a red flag okay thanks i'm not (laughs) a social butterfly um i have nothing to say whatsoever that's okay you can just keep talking yeah just by all means keep keep going and so uh, at that point i was already kind of like meh but i'm also I'd say moderately submissive when it comes to uh, I'm a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. And so he wanted to hang out more. So I was like, oh, okay. Well, there's like an ice cream place down the street. Maybe we just go get ice cream. Yeah. So we rode in my car and we're driving over there and he just is making comments that are off-putting in that like, we have the radio playing and he starts singing to it and he's okay. Like, you know, (laughs) how anyone sings in a car. I'm not about to be like, I am the best singer in a car. Yeah. I'm the best singer in a shower. I am not a professional singer. I will not pretend to be one. He goes on this rant about how people suck at singing and they shouldn't sing, but they do. (laughs) And you're like, did you hear yourself just then? (laughs) <laughs> you're like did you, like did you did you take that in very much like oh 
that's a hot take okay go off sis um we get to the ice cream place we eat again it's more of just him talking and then I am fully at that point being like okay I am fully done with this I like I don't want to partake in this experience anymore so I'm going to drop him off and he wants to make out and do more stuff so bad so bad that he's like well do you want to go to your place or my place and I'm just like I want to go to my place but I want you alone to place. yeah <laughs> like I want to go to my place I'm sorry I'm just so tired Mm-hmm. like I'm just so sleepy I'm just gonna go home and sleep thanks for this yeah whatever this was whatever this was and see around and yes I think he maybe texted me like a couple times after that and I responded after like a, a couple of them I was just like I don't think this is gonna work I don't think we mesh very well so have a nice life Mm -hmm. like I am sure you will find someone who hates car singers as much as you do at least you responded I feel like that's kind of the courteous thing to do is just be upfront and be like I don't think this is gonna work out and uh leave it at that (laughs) right I mean I've ghosted people before it's not my brightest shining moments but you know that's it happens yeah but anyways um thank you for joining me no worries this this morning slash evening yes i really enjoyed this i enjoyed so i had a lot of fun i am i am hoping the listeners will enjoy it just as much i'm sure they will um but uh do you have social media to plug sure so again first of all um listen to hot girls theory it's on all of your streaming platforms it's on the platform that you're listening to right now so you can go have a look at it and and listen maybe you like it maybe you won't i don't know um we are reachable on social media platforms tiktok and instagram and twitter we're at hot girls theory on instagram and twitter and hgt podcast on tiktok because they didn't like the hot girls part of our username so we had to get a little creative because you know tiktok likes to censor people so Mm. for my personal instagram and tiktok fueled by indie i'm sure it'll be in the show notes um but yeah i'm pretty active on both of those and if you want to listen to the podcast or chat to me or whatever it may be hit me up on social media Thank you. Thank you. Um, as always, if y'all want to catch Better Left Unsaid on social media, y'all can find us on uh, Twitter at BL Unsaid Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at BL underscore Unsaid. I should really like make all of these the same, but you know, whatever. Um, and make sure you leave us likes and uh, stars and reviews nicely worded reviews if you do have criticism you can leave that too i'm open to change and grow as a person um although if you are just leaving a mean one-star review send that directly via email to blunsaid.podcast at gmail.com otherwise i will not see it don't worry about leaving it on like apple podcasts just send that 
one star directly to me, okay? Um, and I will totally pay attention to it. Uh, along with any podcast themes or embarrassing stories that you'd like to hear on a podcast episode. And I'd just but, like everyone to know that I went to my Spotify and just gave Better Left Unsaid a five-star review because I hadn't done that yet. So you should too. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, y'all definitely should help the algorithm. Um, but yes, thank y'all for joining us. Bye-bye.